Bible reading. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. Uh, on some of the Pew Bibles, that's page 1028. So Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity it brings into our lives of how we can follow you and serve you. We pray that tonight as we look at this section of your word that we would be uh, challenged and encouraged to be faithful to your word and to do what it says. To not only hear it, but to do it as well. In Jesus' name. We ask and pray. Amen. I'm sure you've all experienced those times when you've been in a socially awkward situation, when someone waves and you wave back but realises to the person behind you, or when the person gives you your coffee and they say, enjoy your coffee, and you say, you too. I was, I was in a socially awkward situation uh, one time. Um, I was attending a Christian camp. Uh, CU camp, and I'm standing there watching uh, some friends play a card game. And as I'm standing there, I suddenly feel someone's head on my shoulder and sort of snuggling in. And I, I have a quick peek, and it's, it's this staff worker's wife I hardly know. And it's really, it's against propriety, it's a little socially awkward, and I don't know what to do, but I know I need to do something. So I sort of, I sort of make a coughing noise, speak up and make a coughing noise. And she lifts up her head and she just walks out the door. I spoke to her husband later and he said that she mistook me for him. But it was really awkward. And no one likes to be in socially awkward situations. And I'm sure she felt absolutely awful. Most of us are careful to avoid doing or saying things that go against propriety. I I knew in that awkward situation I had to speak up. I had to do something. Now, the example is relatively small uh, in comparison to what Jesus asked to do in Matthew 18, 15 to 20. But it's nonetheless true. Jesus tells us we need to speak up even if it's awkward because it's serious. More serious than a snuggling head on a shoulder, it is sin where to speak up about, even if we'd prefer not to, even if it's awkward. Three points we're going to be looking at. Uh, why should we speak up? It's because it's serious. If you've got an outline there, it should be there in front of you. Because it's serious. How do we speak up? 
it tells us here in our passage four steps that we're going to look at and uh, who should speak up, who does Jesus sanction to speak up. So it's serious, here's the steps and you're sanctioned to do it, to speak up. So let's have a look. Why should we speak up? What's so serious? Why not leave it to someone else? Well, sin is serious. It is deadly. It is the hook that leads to death. This is what we've seen over the past few weeks as we've been going through Matthew 18. Jesus teaches disciples that they need to love others before themselves. And he says in verse 6, he says something really challenging that shows us the seriousness of sin. So chapter 18, verse 6, Jesus says that if you cause another believer to sin, it is better for you to have a great millstone fastened around your neck and to be drowned in the sea. Jesus knows sin is serious. And in verse 8 to 9, Jesus uses hyperbole. And he says, if your hand or your foot caused you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes sin, gouge it out. Because it's better to be without these body parts than enter the fire of hell. That's what verses 8 and 9 says in hyperbole. Sin is serious. And in verse 10 to 14, Jesus says, don't despise others because sin is serious. They may be lost. Have the same attitude as the Father in heaven who doesn't want any of those who follow Jesus to perish in sin. And who should know the deadliness of sin better than Jesus himself? Whose head was girded with thorns, whose flesh was ripped away with whips, whose hands were pierced with nails and who drank the cup of the wrath of God. If God himself sees sin in such a horrific way that it requires his own son to die, how can we see it any differently? We find it far too easy to forget sin is deadly. It is far too easy to excuse what we do, but be warned, sin ensnares, it lies. You think you can pull away, you think you can stop, but it presses harder and harder, it reels you in until it does what it intended, and that is to take your life. This is the truth, the deadliness of sin. And Jesus teaches the disciples that if they truly love others, then they must speak up. A friend at uni uh, gave up on God because she decided a relationship with her boyfriend was more important. Sin has dragged her away. Another friend uh, chose acceptance, acceptance in the arms of a woman who is not his wife. He is turning his back on God and sin is dragging him away. Another friend shows respect, respect from unhelpful friends with a drunkenness and partying and he doesn't seem to care what God says and he's not that concerned about church anymore. Sin is dragging him away. Another friend chooses downtime and what he finds easy to switch off to is porn. He's beginning to resent what God says and ignore what he asks. Sin is dragging him away. Sin is serious. So if it's so important that we must speak up, how do we speak up? 
Well, Jesus tells us. Jesus tells the disciples to speak up and he tells the disciples the steps. And he's extraordinarily clear. He outlines four steps to follow. I'm um, just summarize them as go, take, tell and treat. Uh, it all begins in verse 15. So read it with me if you have it open. If you don't have it open, open it up. Verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. The first step, go. Don't be proud and think you're better when you see your brother sin. Be humble, be humble in in your attitude, be humble in what you say, be humble in how you say it, be humble in thinking that you know best. It doesn't matter if you're the one offended, it says. It doesn't matter if you're the one wronged even. You are still to go. Now, there's some contention in these verses if it's sin against you or if it's any sin. The rest of the Bible is really clear that it tells us that we're to help each other with any sin. And it includes, but it's not restricted to, sin against you. So Jesus says, if someone offends you, don't sit and sulk about it. Or act cold and withdrawn until they guess that you're offended. Jesus says, go. Take responsibility. With the goal that your brother or sister in Christ will listen. That they'll heed your warning and repent and be restored. That's clearly the goal when the passage keeps repeating the one word, listen. Now I have the tendency at times to go too far. Uh, I'm not sure if you know that for those who know me a little bit maybe. But one of my friends recently, uh, I was going a little too far with bagging him out. A little, for a little too long, a little too much. And, and I was offending him. He said, he came to me and he said, listen, this is getting, this is getting hard. I, I said, sorry. I asked for his forgiveness and he forgave me. And that's the first step here. I offended him. He came to me and we sorted it out. And that's how it should go most of the time. But Jesus knows that people are proud. And he knows they won't always listen. So he says, he tells the disciples the next step to take if the first step doesn't work. The next step is in verse 16 and it's take. Read it with me. It says, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If the sinner still doesn't listen, then take a few others because sin is deadly serious. Bring two or three along to witness the conversation, a reference to Old Testament law because this is serious. Yet again, they may not listen, so Jesus says the third step, and that is tell in verse 17. Let's read it. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. This is so they can help the one who sins to see that they need to repent and be restored because sin is deadly serious. Yet still, if they even refuse that, if they even still do not admit their sin and repent, then the fourth step is to treat them as an outsider. Verse 17, the second half. And if he refuses to listen, even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Treat that person as one who is not a part of the family of Christ anymore because they need to see 
how serious sin is and repent and come back and be restored to the family because they're killing themselves. That is why the disciples should do it. That is how they should do it. Take these steps because it's serious. But whose responsibility is it? You know, the disciples sitting there may all think it's Peter's responsibility because Jesus gave him this authority back in chapter 16. But Jesus says, no, it's all of your authority. It's all of your responsibility to do this. You're all sanctioned to do this. So verses 18 to 20, Jesus knows that it will be hard. So he says with what authority the disciples have to speak up. So let's read verse 18 20. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Now Jesus says, The disciples are sanctioned to carry these steps out, not on their own authority, but on the authority of what Jesus has told them. So with my friend who who gets drunk often, someone needs to speak up with the truth and lovingly explain what is wrong and then how we respond to that with either rejection or repentance on earth reflects what will have been done in heaven either bound or loosed. And in verse 19, Jesus promises that if the two come together and ask God to forgive and be restored, then it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. Jesus is not necessarily referring to when we get together and pray, as this verse is often understood and quoted. Uh, Jesus is with us all the time and it's true that he answers, but we can't ignore the context of this verse. And the promise is, that not only will the Father do this, not only will he be with us, Jesus will be with them throughout this tough process. That's his promise in verse 20. There I am with them. You are sanctioned to do this, so speak up, he tells his disciples. Now sin is deadly serious, and it is the same today as it was when Jesus said it. It's still against God, it's still against others, and I think we know that sin is terrible. But I wonder if we know how serious it is. I wonder if we treat it the way it ought to be treated. I was reading about American gridiron coach uh, and he arranged a team meeting where he organised someone to throw in a writhing, hissing, 1.8 metre long snake. And all all the players screamed and scattered. And the coach explained later why he did it. He said, uh, if if cocaine comes into a room, you're not nearly as apt to leave as when a snake comes in. But they'll both kill you. And I thought it best tonight not to bring in a snake and throw it into the pews. And maybe you'd all scream and scatter. I don't know. But the truth is the same here. Often when sin comes into a room, we're not nearly as apt to leave as when a snake comes in. But they'll both kill you. And often we laugh at jokes about sin. Often we're too comfortable in conversations, in movies, and in life with sin. We need to realize the danger of sin. Otherwise, what Jesus says here is hard to understand and even harder to do. Sin is deadly serious today. 
Do you see it that way? Are you willing to follow these steps? Go, take, tell and treat. Let me make this a bit more real by sharing an example in my own life uh, where a Christian couple I knew were sleeping together unmarried in a church that I attended. I'll explain what should have happened and then I'll tell you what actually happened to help give you an idea of what these steps look like practically and to help you see how serious sin is. So the question I had to ask myself was, did I love my friend enough to go? Do I love my friend enough to go? Was I humble enough? Did I take responsibility? First of all, my friend was clearly sinning. It wasn't an annoying habit that I had. It wasn't my own preference or my own conscience. It was a clear violation of what God's word tells us. It wasn't about if someone plays sport on a Sunday or if you do have a beer. It was sin spelt out in the Bible. It could have been drunkenness, adultery, gossip, slander, lying and more, but this time it was sex before marriage. What should have happened? I should have gone to him and spoken to him confidentially, face to face, making sure I didn't send a text or ask five friends to be praying for me as I went. I should have gone humbly, seeking to understand the situation, not presume I already knew what was going on. I shouldn't have come to him high and mighty as though I'm perfect and he's the failure. I should have gone with the intention of winning him over helping him see his need to ask for forgiveness and repent and be restored. And to help him see that he can't keep sinning this way. Now, if he didn't listen, if he didn't think it was sin, and if he just kept sleeping with his girlfriend, then I should have taken the second step. Take. I should have taken along a few others who are mature, godly Christians, who know the Bible, maybe an elder, And if he still wasn't sorry, if he still didn't repent before God, then I should have done the third step, tell. I should have told the elders and they would have told the church, the members of the congregation. The elders would have taken him off. Then he may have seen how serious it is because the whole church is agreeing that it is wrong and he needs to repent. Helping him see that sin is deadly But if he even ignored the whole church, then I should have treated him as though he wasn't part of the family of God anymore. The elders would have taken him off leadership roles, maybe off the membership role. They would have asked him not to participate in communion. It would have been clearer about his need to come back to the family of God. It would have been clearer for him to see that he can't keep playing with fire. That he is getting reeled in by sin and it is dangerous. I should have been more fervent in praying for him. And not treating him like this because I think it's just and he deserves it, but because I love him and I want him to repent and sin is serious and he can't keep going this way. He needs to listen. Did I do any of this? No. I didn't take any of these steps. I saw other friends who were part of the same group fall into the same sin. I saw youth leaders set an example of rejecting God's rules. 
I saw God's reputation dragged through the mud. I saw others follow. It became normal and it was awful. And some of them don't go to church anymore and some of them don't seem to care about God anymore. It was stupid of me to sit idly by and be too afraid of losing a friendship when I should have gone to him and spoken to him right at the start. Sin is deadly serious and we must do something. We must do what these verses sanction us to do. We must do them because we love. But whose responsibility is this? Um, You know, Jesus said to the disciples, maybe we just leave it all up to the elders. What authority do I have to tell someone else that they're doing something wrong? You know, that's, that's not what society says today. We're not to tell someone else when they're doing something wrong. But Jesus sanctions each of us, members of this church, with this responsibility, not based on our authority, but based on the authority of the Bible. We go to each other in humble love, sharing what God's word tells us, encouraging each other to follow God's word. And by doing this, we exercise heavenly authority with the Father's support and Jesus is with us as we do it. So if you come to me, I pray that I will be humble, that I will listen that I will repent and be restored. And we must all be willing to listen to each other. And we must all be willing to speak up to each other. Because what's at stake is worse than death. Because we're family and to not do this is unloving. Seriously, speak up. I used to work with a bunch of uni students who are engineers, and I used to love listening to them tell me about uh, the information they're learning and things they're finding out about when they're up to engaging in conversation because they're engineers. But one famous engineering story happened in the Hyatt Regency City Hotel in 1978. There was this 40-storey building, and in the building, 1,600 people gathered for an event. While they're all there, a walkway that goes across the fourth floor collapsed onto a second floor walkway and both of them fell to the ground floor below. 114 people died. 219 are injured. It is a horrifying scene. The wounded are told to leave the hotel if they can walk and those who are mortally injured are told they're going to die and are given some morphine. Some of the victims had to be amputated on the spot. It was a devastating scene. So when investigating what caused this fatal accident, they found that at one stage the manufacturers rang up the engineer, an engineer and asked him about a change in the design. And he approved the changes without making any calculations or checking any sketches. How sad. If only someone had realised and spoken up. If only the engineer had done what he was supposed to do then and he spoke up. 
But because he didn't see what was happening was deadly serious, he did nothing. Sin is deadly serious. We must do something out of love. We must listen to each other as fellow believers in Christ. We need to be humble, forgiving, loving and care deeply enough to say something. To follow these steps because we are sanctioned by Christ to do this. Please speak up. Let's pray.